Yes, lads, what is going on? You are all very welcome to Season 5, Episode 2 of the Troy Sports Podcast. In this episode, we are joined by Simeon Burbaum, and Simeon is the 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 biggest thing in terms of high skill running at the moment who is now committed to becoming an Oregon Duck for next year and um, he recently finished up his high skill athletics career becoming national champion beating athletes like Lex and Leo Young continuing his villain arc and taking down the good guys and um, setting a new two mile national record running a 357 in the in the mile and um, also previously that is not his first time breaking four minutes in the mile he done that one time before um, and it was an absolute honor to have Simeon on the podcast I got in touch with Simeon back a couple of months ago when he first broke the four minute barrier in the mile as a high schooler and now he has gone on to do such great things and um, myself and Simeon obviously discuss breaking the four minute barrier for the first time setting a new two mile world record becoming the fourth fastest ever high school miler in a time of 357 and um, the villain arc that he has undertaken and the uh, the media has also undertaken um, against Leo and Lex Young we talk about rivalries in terms of athletics and not with it being not such a I suppose good guy sport and uh, creating a few rivalries and making the sport a little bit more entertaining on and off the track of course and um, Simeon Leo and Lex are great friends off the track they cool down together after the national championships and um, they will also be on um, podcasts at the same time bringing us more great great content over the next coming weeks and we obviously talk about Simeon shushing Leo Young um, after the national championships and um, why he decided to become and commit to the um, to the Oregon Ducks even though it wasn't his first choice um, you know following in the footsteps of athletes like Cooper Tier, Cole Hawker getting to train and race on Hayward Field so many more times and um, all the great great stuff happening over in Oregon as well we also discuss the plans for the future that Simeon has in place in terms of his US trials and championships coming up now next week and um, obviously his goals for the future in terms of racing in the world championship and the Olympic Games. Unfortunately, he will um, have to sit this one out in Budapest this summer, um, but over the coming years, we'll definitely be seeing Simeon in a USA singlet racing on the highest stage. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the camera quality is absolutely amazing. Um, I have a whole brand new setup for the podcast. Took out the old Windows computer, and I got a new iMac installed as well. Have the new cameras set up. Unfortunately for this episode, there's still a little bit of tweaking I need to do. I think my audio and um, my microphone's audio through the Skype call was picked up instead of through the OBS software. So, and um, unfortunately, my audio quality isn't 100% through this episode. But it's definitely something I'll be tweaking um, as I go on and um, set up everything 100% in terms of the new setup. It looks absolutely amazing. I have my vertical monitor here with all my um, questions from my guest. I have the Skype call up on the iMac itself. Of course, I have the brand new professional Nikon Lumix camera in front of me, where if you're watching this on YouTube, you can um, see the amazing quality of that compared to the old webcam. And this is literally just with my bedroom light on. If I turn this off now, even that quality is amazing with just the glare of the screen alone. So I'm absolutely loving the new iMac setup. If you are listening to this over on 
Spotify or any podcast app, head down to the show notes where you can find the link to head over to the YouTube to see the brand new um, camera quality. Like I said in the last episode of the podcast where I was joined um, by um, Jake Smith, the... Um, where I was joined by Jake Smith, I do still need to do a solo episode of the podcast to get you all up to date on everything going on in my fitness and, and running world. But for now, I'm getting the opportunity to interview all the best athletes in the world. So it's an absolute privilege. I'm loving the podcast now at the moment. We're back on it, back on the podcast grind with the brand new setup. Um, I'll also be heading to the Morton Games again this year. Um, that video done absolutely amazing last year. So we'll be picking up so many more live interviews there as well. So make sure to stay tuned once again in the description and in the show notes you can head over to the Troy Sports um, Troy Sports official Instagram account to keep up to date on everything going on over there but without further ado in season 5 episode 2 of the Troy Sports podcast this is Simeon Bourbon all right lads so we are joined on the show with Simeon Birnbaum Simeon thank you so much for for coming on I got back in touch with you back when you broke the four minute mile barrier back um earlier in in your high school days and now that you know things have taken off even further in your athletics career from becoming national champion in your final year and of course you you're going to be a duck next year we'll get into all of that as the episode goes on and um, setting a new uh, two mile national record as well um, just last week so a lot has happened since the first time I got in touch so really great having you on the show today and um, yeah I'm gonna let you take it away introduce yourself a little bit and then we'll just go from there yeah, um, no, you did a pretty good job. Yeah, as you said, uh, I'm a middle distance runner from America. I run track and cross country. Just graduated high school, um, and I'm really excited about my future. Definitely. So very, very modest and, and humble introduction there, especially with the with the uh, great amount of running you've been doing over over the past couple of weeks. I suppose before we get into that, we'll, we'll, like we do with, with a lot of the guests on the show, we'll start back when you first got into running and, and we'll make our way through, I suppose, to the uh, to the current day where a lot of, you know, great things are happening for you on the uh, on the athletic scene. So take us back to when you first got into running, because I know you have a bit of an interest in ice hockey as well. Yeah. Um, so my elementary days, I lived in Canada and obviously um, ice hockey is like the main sport there. So that was my original sport. Um, I started when I was like four or five years old. And then um, my dad, uh, he was a runner. Uh, both my parents were runners. And so naturally they wanted me to get into the sport. Um, but where we lived in Canada, they didn't have any sort of running program it wasn't part of the school or anything so he started a running club and it was just like very simple um, mostly games pretty much anyone was welcome um so that was my introduction to the sport was just kind of just having fun um the longest runs he would do were probably like half a mile to a mile we'd we'd have like maybe race three times within a three-month period um that the like the um the camp kind of went so uh, very chill introduction and then when I moved to the states I was 12 years old that was in sixth grade and then I started running for like a proper school team um, and started training for both cross country and track and then I took it fully seriously and quit playing ice hockey when I was in 10th grade and before you took athletic seriously was was ice hockey I suppose was ice hockey in the same element in your brain where athletics is now in terms of how far you wanted to go in the sport 
Yeah, um, usually when I pick something up, I want to be extremely good at it. Um, so earlier on, it was more of a thought that I wanted to go far with ice hockey. But as I started to run more, um, I realized that I was quite a bit better at that. So naturally, I had to choose between the sports, like once you get to a high level, um, especially with the different body types required. And I saw more of a future in running, and I think I made the right choice. No, definitely. Um, and obviously, you're still young at the moment. You know, you still have your entire athletics career ahead of you. But up until this point, you've done amazing stuff over the past couple of years. When was it, you know, n- not even too long ago, again, because of how young you are, it, did you realize how good you were at athletics? Yeah, um, I've always been, like, naturally gifted in that way. Like, whenever we had PE, um, I was always one of the best of the games we would play. Um, so I was just naturally gifted with a lot of athletic ability. Um, but with running, I wasn't too sure because, like, Obviously, I was pretty good at it compared to, like, people, like, um, from where I was from. But, like, looking at, uh, like, like national rankings or, like, um, comparing my uh, times from people my age, like, I saw that I was quite a bit behind them and that, um, that they were quite a bit better than me at the time. But I think it, it was definitely junior year where I realized that um, I could become, like, one of the best for my age and like if I could do that it probably wouldn't be too hard to become one of the best out of everyone someday definitely yeah I suppose it's a case of working up through your age and 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 then inevitably becoming one of one of the best in the country and that that is what happened in terms of a high school level for you over the over the past couple of weeks and once again we'll get into all that great success now in in a moment obviously you, you, you're under a four-minute mile. You've done it one or two times now. Like you mentioned at the uh, at the start of the episode, that's initially when I got in touch with you was when you broke the uh, the four-minute mile for the first time. Tell us a little bit about, obviously, athletes, world-class athletes across the world are, are doing it every single race, but that first time you do it, especially at a high school level, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it's probably still the most memorable like experience I have from my running career. Um, like for context, the year before, um, when I was, uh, in 10th grade, I ran, um, 424 for the 1600 meter race, which was good enough to win my state meet, but South Dakota isn't very big. So it's not that competitive. Um, so the next year I was like, all right, running under 410 would be amazing. Like that's a very lofty goal. Like, um, it's almost a state record from where I was from and, that that seemed like if I could do that, I thought I'd pretty much have made it. And then the ball just kept rolling. I kept getting faster and faster in my races. And um, my previous best before I ran under four was 407, which I ran at Arcadia earlier in the season. And I came into the race with the slowest C time. Um, and then my whole goal was just to try to win. And I ran the win. Um, naturally, it was a fast race. It was good conditions. And I, I crossed the line. I was just so happy I, I won. I didn't even know I broke four for a little bit, but just like hearing that was was amazing. I mean, it's 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 hard to believe at that time. Like it's pretty corny, but um, you just can't you just can't comprehend what you did for a long time. Um, and now that has settled in, I was so thankful I had that uh, opportunity to do that so early in my running career because that just opened so many doors, and I'm extremely grateful for that. 
definitely and it's it's a point that many people talk on in terms of running is t- so many people are bogged down on times mm. rather, rather than actually winning races because winning races will will come with fast times is that the mindset you have is there sometimes you go into a race obviously hoping more about the time rather than the position or do you just believe they come hand in hand with each other yeah i mean uh i'm very like I believe there's a time and place for everything um, and there's a time to go for time and there's a <laughs> time for go to time and there's a, like a time to go for the win. Um, so like if I'm racing high schoolers, I'm never um, like, I'm never going to be racing for anything other than the win. Like obviously I might want to run fast, but at the end of the day, um, I really want to win. And if I'm racing like, like I did a couple days ago and I'm racing professionals, I understand that uh it's very unlikely that i'll win and i shouldn't like take the lead with a lap to go and risk blowing up and and fading like to last and running a poor time if my goal is to run a time to get a qualification for a meet um but if i'm racing people my age um i'm i'm all about going for the win that's a really good point. Tell us a little bit more about that in terms of, you know, like you said, recently you were racing in the Brooks PR. You're you're fast enough now, even at your young age, to be to be racing professionals. That's the the type of times that you're running. What's it like then going back, like going to the the, the high school national championships, racing against high schoolers after just racing against loads of professionals? Yeah, so I've only ever raced one pro race, and that was um, two days before my last high school race. So I didn't have too much experience with the pros, um, but it definitely gives you confidence because I was able to get um, third place and only lost by like a second to the winner. And I know those were some really good U.S. athletes. So being able to do that and run a super fast time, uh, it gives you a world of confidence. And so like going into the next meet after that, I was like, uh, none of these guys could run the time I just ran or probably place as good as I did in that in that meet and I pretty much showed that I could be a, a pretty decent pro in the United States and none of these guys could probably um, compete with that yeah definitely it, it, it must give you you know it there's there's a, a line I suppose between confidence and uh, arrogance at the same time but you take every race as they come you know it doesn't matter if it's high school national championships or if it's you know the the one professional race I suppose you like you said you're always going for that win either way yeah I mean it's always a fine line between arrogance and confidence and uh, often it's just like it depends on the individual interpreting to think of someone's arrogant or confident um I definitely come off as a confident guy um sometimes people think it's arrogance but um at the end of the day I have like tons of respect for my competitors and that usually shows by how nervous I get. Um, like going into a race, I get like, I'm super anxious, um, super nervous, because I, I respect all the work these guys put in. I know how good they are. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to be scared of anyone. And I know I've drew, I've worked really hard. And even if someone's outworked me a little bit, I'm confident that I can have the sharpness and the racing strategies that I'll have a good chance to beat them anyways. So I just I have that. I'm born. I was born really competitive, and I think that helps a lot. Definitely, and something we'll get into a little bit later on in the episode is 
you know, a little bit more competitiveness within athletics. Um, you know, people do say run your own race, but in terms of an entertainment factor, which you have brought to all your you know most recent races um, against all of the fastest high schoolers at the moment, that competitiveness, that little bit of, you know, entertainment compared to just racing, there's an element of we needing more of that in athletics that we'll definitely touch on um, as the, as the, as the uh, episode goes on. But like you mentioned there, you do respect all the athletes that you have in, in, in your races, whether it's the professional race or the high school level. But high school level is, is borderline professional nowadays in terms of the standard that people like yourself, people like the young brothers, people like that, you know, that are, that are racing at a high school level now. It's borderline professional just because of the standard and, and the fast times that everyone's running. Yeah, I mean, this year especially has been extremely um, competitive. You know, I think the class of 2023 in the United States was, it's arguably one of the best classes, if not the best in the history. Um, just cause like we had a race the other day when four guys went under four and like people were barely talking about, um, sub four athletes anymore, you know? Um, cause obviously that's just what it takes to win like a national title in the mile. Um, and just like with the two mile, like if, if you're not running on the U S top 10 list for high school, you're probably not going to win. Honestly, like it's just, uh, extremely phenomenal racing and I think uh, we're going to have the opportunity to do a lot of cool stuff going into the future. Does that put more pressure on your training in, in the case of how fast people are running if you have an unfortunate block of training and, and, and one of your competitors like one of the young brothers or some of your teammates has a good block of training does that the standard does that put even more pressure on your training and, and staying healthy just because of how fast everyone's running? Yeah I mean you need to be in like excellent form to uh to win um like i had some unfortunate times um in the indoor season where uh, i couldn't train my best doing a lot of cross training and i was still able to like run at the top level of the national meets but i was getting like um probably like third through seventh in most of my races um even though i was still running extremely fast times that could have won other years so yeah you really have to be spot on um i really haven't had many hiccups um in the outdoor season uh but that's i mean you pretty much have to be perfect like you can't be getting sick um your injuries have to barely restrict you um and even just like if you have a slight off day you could go from the favorite to getting 10th in a high class race so um there there is the pressure but i love the pressure and i think i perform best under it Devlin, in terms of staying injury free, how do you how do you go on about doing that, or not even injury free, keeping any niggles or any slight pains do you have at bay as much as you can? Yeah, um, I I approach running from a pretty careful careful way. Like my mileage isn't very high, and I've progressed very slowly, and my workouts aren't anything crazy. Um, I barely even I've I probably spiked up like five times this year in workouts, and usually that's just for strides. Um, so I'm very careful. Um, I know the most important thing is just consistency. So, um, I try to keep it like that. Um, obviously I do a little stuff, drink tons of water, eat a lot of food, um, stretch, roll out, um, do some lifting that helps you stay injury free. Um, yeah. So all that together just allows me to stay consistent and that's why I've gotten where I am. 
Definitely, yeah. And and like we mentioned, it is so important nowadays to say injury free, whether it's at a high school collegiate or a you know, world on a world stage at a world and professional level. It's just the standard is getting too too high to afford any long injuries that will that will prohibit your training. Um, obviously we mentioned there your first ever sub four minute mile since then you've ran a 357.53 making you the fourth fastest ever high school miler compare that to first time going sub four because you know like you said lots of people are going sub four nowadays people aren't documenting high school sub four minute milers as much as they were because of the standard so getting that time down even even more is so important yeah, uh, I definitely was more excited to break four the first time just because I wasn't expecting to. And then um, when I broke it, when I ran 357, I was actually trying to go for like 353. And so uh, I still won the race, so I can't be disappointed about that. But I honestly wasn't very happy to run 357. Um, it was a bit hot and the pace didn't go as we planned. Um, so I was just kind of like, I'll take the win. I'll be happy with it. But I didn't really look at the time that much because I was just kind of expecting to run a bit quicker. That's it's it's crazy nowadays hearing athletes like yourself who are so talented but still only in their senior year of high school being disappointed with a three fifty seven. I suppose if you, if you said that a couple of years back, people would you know they'd be jumping up and down with that time, and maybe even yourself a couple of years ago mm-hmm. you'd have been delighted with that time. Yeah, I mean, times are changing and. Um, I mean, as training gets better and everything else gets better, like more science is introduced, um, you just expect to run a bit quicker. And so like, even though it, it seems crazy to some people to, to hear me say that I'm not super thrilled about it, um, I just knew the place I was at um, and I knew I could have ran quicker. And I, I ran a really good 1500 um, a couple of days ago that kind of proved that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just you got you to gotta change with the times. And in terms of your train and how does that look, how does that change in terms of trying to get faster, trying to run faster times, maybe even leading up to the first time going sub four? Is is your training changing at all compared to how fast everyone's running? I mean, I don't really look that much at what other people are doing. Like I've had a uh, my coach, I've been working with my coach since for three years now, um, since 10th grade. And he does a lot of studying. Um, he studies a lot of pro runners. He looks at like their training cycles before, um, a great performance they had. So he takes a lot from that. Um, but we don't really look at what other people are doing because a lot of people are doing a lot more than me. Um, and that's just not um, with what we want to do right now. We want to run a bit lower mileage, um, a little bit less hard sessions, but still get really good work in, um, really like smart. So that's the name of our game is just training as smart as possible and becoming the best we can be with, um, without like overdoing it and like, um, like preventing me from improving a lot in the future. And so that's, that's the main goal is to just not stress what other people are doing and focus on locking in on what my goals are for my running career. Definitely. And you you made a good point there in terms of not, I suppose, capping how much you can progress as you get through college and and eventually into uh, the the pro scene. Is that something that you and your coach, like you said, do keep in mind in terms of, and it's something even Jakob Ingebrigtsen said after breaking the two-mile world record is people go too hard in training and then obviously you're focusing on on not burning out and and capping how much you can progress through college and, and once you get onto the pro scene. 
Yeah, I mean, I've thought about that quite a bit because um, obviously Jakob ran very high mileage from a young age. Um, and so the conclusion I've pretty much come to is that hard training can look, uh, it can look um, completely different. Like Jakob could be running 100 mile weeks, but his training might be just as hard as someone who runs 50 mile weeks and pushes extremely hard in workouts. Um, and so I think we approach training um, from a bit more of a lower mileage, but running workouts really hard standpoint. And I just think when I'm able to move up mileage and keep that same intensity, I'll become better each year. And that's proved to be true. Um, and right now I think I've averaged like 45 to 50 miles a week this year. So I believe um, whenever I choose to bump it up in my running career and I think I'm ready and I won't get injured, I think I'll have a massive leap. Um, and I think Jakob is completely right that if you go too hard early on, you might peak um, early and your body might not be fully matured and be fully ready to handle that. And you might have lost um, some potential you could have accessed if you would have been patient. And there is a lot of stigma, especially for immature, maybe younger high school runners. And there's stigma around doing such high mileage and, and copying what the pros are doing, like Jakob Ingebrigtsen, although he's one of the fastest 1,500-meter runners of all time. He he's able to to take on board the the high mileage and still run really fast in races. And a lot of maybe less mature athletes uh, at a younger high school level are trying to replicate that. There's just stigma around running really high mileage. Yeah, and I think um, there's nothing wrong about that. But I think if you're gonna run really high mileage, you have to be. Um, pretty perfect with how you do it like you know Jakob is able to do that because he has tons of resources um he does all the lactate testing he has really good environments he has like I'm sure he gets massages and all of his conditions are um extremely like like changed and mo like modified to suit him and make sure he's healthy and he can handle that um, so if you're able to have a team like that that works around you to help you you can probably get away um and that you'll probably perform your best running high mileage but as a high schooler um, who maybe doesn't have proper nutrition who maybe doesn't get enough sleep if you try to run the same mileage it's just not going to work out um well 99 percent of the time obviously there's probably like phenomenons out there but um i i believe that if you can have uh if you do it extremely smartly and do all the little things right um you can do that and still have a long sustainable career but I mean, the majority of high schoolers and a lot of pros aren't even willing to sacrifice um, to make their diet super good, to sleep like 10 hours a night. Um, but if you're willing to do that, um, I think you can probably get away with running really high mileage and you'll benefit a lot from it. But at the same time, you who's running at the highest high school standard possible and doing 50 miles a week but having really good quality sessions it just shows that high mileage isn't everything and i suppose the, the quality of the session as well needs to be needs to be taken on board so you know it, it's it's definitely valuable for maybe some people to take a leaf out of your book who's not doing such high mileage but at the same time is running at the highest level on a high skill stage yeah 100 percent um there's many ways to become good and i believe if i if i would run 70 80 miles a week i believe i would be better um but I don't want to rush it and I want to be good right now, but I don't want to peak, um, obviously. So I'm going to save that for later when my body is more matured and I can handle it and then I'll get the maximum benefits.
definitely, definitely, and be definitely looking forward to to seeing how how that helps and, and progresses your racing and your running, um, as as you move on into the collegiate scene, which we'll jump into as the um as we go through the episode. Obviously, we spoke about your your sub four minute mile and your crazy fast four fifty or three fifty seven um in the mile, um, but obviously you came national champion over the two miles, setting a new um two mile a national record as well. Tell us, tell us about first of all becoming national champion because, like we said, we mentioned times versus winning the race, and in a championship race, it is all about winning. Yeah, uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I'm not a super big fan of the two mile, but I had a bit of a hamstring strain earlier in the season, and I couldn't like do a whole bunch of speed. So naturally, I was training more aerobically, and I decided to enter in the two mile and give it a go. Um, and I had my future teammate, Connor Burns, running the two-mile um, with me. And it was really cool because the Brooks PR, which was the national championship, they actually gave us um, different colored uniforms and everyone else to like um, to show that we were returning champions. So we both had the same colored uniform, which was really cool. Um, and we went in with the goal to just uh, – everyone wanted to run fast, but obviously still wanted to win. Um, so it went out pretty hard, not super hard. We went out and like – 425 i believe or 424 um, and then it just ramped up um and i love racing that that's how i like to race i love to just keep cranking the pace um and just see you can hold on the longest um and with a lap to go i was i was i was pretty happy about how my race went i was feeling pretty good and we ended up closing in like 55 high and uh, me and my future teammate ran it in together he was probably like 0.2 seconds behind me so it was pretty much like a perfect scenario um i couldn't have really drawn it up better uh yeah and i was super happy to get that win and uh, i knew it was one of the it was probably the lotus two mile field in history for high school so i uh, was super super stoked about that definitely and and you're talking about the quality of the field and, and the quality of the fields that you have been racing in terms of a high school level recently and um, obviously against jackson and um, but then the young brothers as well leo and and, and lex who um over the past couple of weeks have been have been known as as the good guys and and yourself and jackson have taken on a little bit of a, a villain arc tell us a little bit about that because that's something that I, I want to touch on in terms of making making running and athletics a little bit more entertaining <laughs> Yeah, um, so actually, um, Connor is Connor, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. known as the villain. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, I just think it's pretty funny. Um, it's it's fun to have like rivalries, even if they're like, even if the people still are friends. I think if you can like hype up a rivalry, um, on social media and get people interested in a certain race, that a lot more people are gonna care about it. Um, so we had a lot of fun, um, just being pretty dramatic about that and hyping up that one race and you know a lot of people got really interested it worked um and you know at the end of the day uh we all like cooled down together we're all cool with each other um and i think the people really love that and obviously some people don't like it like they think it's like they don't think it's good for the sport but you know there's always people are gonna who are gonna have those opinions and but tell why 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 do you think people have have those opinions because I know athletics for for the longest time and still is a a very it's 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 I suppose it's a welcoming community as such and you know there there isn't much rivalries like the the one that yourself and Connor and Leo and Lex are are taking to the track obviously like you said you are cooling down together and and you do have a good relationship off the track but why do you believe people you know aren't so optimistic about those rivalries on the track 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because in other sports, you know, there's tons of rivalries and it seems pretty much accepted that, um, yeah, it's just entertainment. Um, like, these people aren't terrible people. Um, but for some reason, running has just... It's, a su- it's been a super nice sport historically. Um, and I don't think that has to change. I just think we can have a bit more fun. Uh, I think people can maybe learn to relax a little bit when it comes to being extremely nice on the track and just like finishing and walking off and because like i mean i think it's shown that people like to hear people say like call their shots um like they want a little bit of like people's pride on the line like it just makes it really fun to watch like i would much rather watch two rivals go at it than just a bunch of friends um even if they are friends it's just it's it's just a lot better to humans naturally just like that certain amount of risk to reward um and people are saying calling their shots they're risking a little bit of their pride which is is fun for people to watch um so yeah i mean obviously i think me and burns have tried to change that with our rivalry with lex and leo um that chapter is probably going to come to a close because we're done with high school and we got bigger fish to fry in college. Um, but I think we're going to continue to keep that same energy and keep keeping the sport lighthearted and fun. Definitely, because even the people that aren't so crazy about the rivalries, because I was looking through um, your Instagram before coming on the show and obviously you had the celebration where you were um, where you shushed Leo, which we'll talk a little bit about as well. But I was looking through the, the, the comments for that and the people that even weren't so crazy about it, they're still engaging and interacting with the posts and which is further pushing, you know, your online per- profile. It's a, it's it's pushing more posts, uh, you know, that other outlets and other accounts are making about you and, and Leo and Lex and Connor, which is obviously great for, for your personal, I suppose, profile on, on and off the track. Yeah, I mean, that's... Well, that's uh, the main reason I think it's so good for the sport is even the people who don't like it, they're often the ones in the comments. And then when they're in the comments, it just shoots it to more and more people. Um, and yeah, I mean, the shush was just kind of, uh, just kind of, you know, I knew it was going to get a pretty like, uh, like I knew it was going to get a reaction. Yeah. Um, and I think just because, uh, I got to play the role of the villain. I felt like I wanted to end the story of like the rivalry with kind of a villain type um, action. And yeah, it did exactly what I thought it was going to do. Like there was a lot of people talking about it. um, And I think it was just a great thing for the sport because I think people are going to see that and they're going to see, oh, me and Leo don't hate each other, but we can still um, have fun and do stuff like that. And, I fully expect when Leo beats me sometimes for him to do something like that. Uh, like we were talking about that. And uh, like if he beats me in a 5K or a 15 in college, he'll probably have fun with and do something like that as well. And I just think people just need to take it a little less seriously and then, and just enjoy it. Definitely. No. And, you know, I'm all, I'm all for it. I, I love seeing, seeing that stuff because, like you said, it, it, track and field for so long has been too nice of a sport. You know what I mean? People finish such a, a competitive race. And then they'll, you know, walk off the track like like nothing happened. You know what I mean? Maybe a little bit on social mm-hmm. media, maybe a little bit after the finish line. It's all for entertainment perf- purposes. And whether people like it or not, they're still engaging with it. So it's great for the sport. Um, and and that's one of the reasons why sports like football and and, and whatnot 
get so much publicity is because of everything off the track as well that, that attracts people. Yeah, I mean, football is a great example of how big it is, especially in the United States, or I guess in European football. Um, but yeah, like there's so many rivalries and people hype it up so much. And I mean, rivalries just like the more people are engaged, the more money there is, the more betting that goes on. I mean, people can have their own opinions about that, whether it's good and bad, but it's just, I mean, a lot of good things come from those rivalries. Um, and it just helps grow the sport past some other sports. And that's what I want to see for running. I want to see it become extremely big. And I just think that it's going it, to, running is, I think is going to become really big eventually. Um, just cause people love like F1, they've loved horse racing historically. Um, and like track is like, uh, people can really relate to it because they're not racing cars. It's, it's humans racing. So everyone alive is a, is a human. Um, so they, they can, I feel like they can really get connected to the athlete. And once that happens, they can get really invested. It's just the sport needs to become more viewer friendly. And through that, uh, rivalries are a way to do that. Do you think the, the, the fan base and the, the great running from Nico Young and his high school career is what put Leo and Lex, I suppose, in a good light, and then yourself and Connor coming in and kind of taking that over a little bit is the reason they were considered maybe the good guys and, and you were, were not so so much the good guys? Uh, yeah, I think it's just a lot of because um, Newbury Park has been known for a really long time, so they were, like, considered the top of high school distance running, and then the people who were, like, new people coming on and trying to, like, almost overthrow that, um, they could be more seen as the villains. Um, but I also have like called myself the villain before, like when I raced against someone in their hometown and my goal was to just kind of like quiet the crowd and make sure they didn't win. So that's probably, um, part of where that came from. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really think of myself as a villain or the hero, but I just like, it's fun to play those roles, um, within a race. Like it, it's just, it's just cool. Cause the media can understand it like, oh, these are the good guys, these are the bad guys, like, choose a side and cheer for those people. It just makes it really simple to consume. Definitely, yeah, because with a lot of races that you do watch, it's, you know, you have you have the favourites of, of the race who's most likely to win, but at the end of the day, you have your favourite athletes, but you don't really mind who wins, but forming that, I suppose, solid fan base, maybe you could even call it, does make it more interesting for, for people to watch and will will force more people to tune in to the races as as yourself and Leo and, and Lex progress through your collegiate career and, and inevitably onto your um, professional career. Uh, and and I suppose in, 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 on the topic of your collegiate career, you've you've committed to, to Oregon. Tell us a little bit about that. Was Oregon always, you know, number one option for you? Definitely not. Um, I took an unofficial to Oregon like before I did most of my visits to other schools and I pretty much decided I wasn't going to go there. Um, I did my, like I did like four visits and then Oregon was my last, uh, my last visit. And um, the only reason I chose to do an official visit there was because they got their new coach, Jerry Schumacher. Um, and once I heard that Bowerman was going to be in Eugene, um, Jerry was going to be like the Oregon coach uh, it wasn't too hard of a choice just because I knew the opportunities are pretty much endless and I could become extremely fast and still not outgrow like the university. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to Oregon to become not just one of the best in college, but hopefully one of the best in the world. Of course, and Hayward Field as well, which is one of the greatest stadiums in, in the U.S. for, for track and field, um, and to be able to train and race on that and for it to have it to be your home ground. And obviously you, you raced on it recently. Tell us a little bit about that. Has it made you even more excited to, to go on now and, and, and become an Oregon athlete knowing how good the track and the facility is? Yeah, I mean, I think I would have gone to Oregon regardless of their facilities, but um, I I haven't even, like, I probably won't, like, set in that I get a practice on Hayward Field um, until, like, I'm actually doing it just because uh, it's such a grand, you know, stadium. Uh, it's hard to believe that I could just, like, walk in there and do a session. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a super cool experience, and I'm really excited to – to live everyday life like that. Um, but, you know, uh, the, the most important, I think, is going to be the relationships with the people there and um, still staying um, modest and trying to live life, like, uh, to be, like, still the best runner and not just think, oh, I have all these good facilities, I'm probably going to be good. No, I got to uh, still be locked in and be doing all the little things right because, uh, it's not the flashy facilities that are going to make me good and I just can't let that get to my head. Definitely. How is your mindset going to change from becoming, you know, the some of the fastest high school r- runners, you know, in terms of the mile and the two mile and then going on to a collegiate level, racing some of the best athletes in the country, really moving up the ranks in terms of the competition. We'll get into the NCAA championships that were on there last week now in a couple of minutes. But how is it going to change your change your mindset from maybe the, the attitude you had going into races, being one of the best, and, and now going into a collegiate level where the standard is going to shift completely? I'm extremely excited. Um I'm really excited for the standard to move up, and I think that'll just push me to be even better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this year I could have been competitive in the NCAA, so next year I'm going to go in with the mindset that um, I can compete with the best, and I'm just super excited to, like, be in a... It'll be like racing a national championship high school race um, whenever I step on the line. So uh, I'm a big competitor, Um and I love that part of track and field. Like that's that's why I love the sport so much is the actual races. So I'm excited to be in more competitive races and uh, have the risk reward be higher. And in terms of the if we're taking the five and ten k times and um, by Kai Robertson in the NCAA and um, there last week uh, or two weeks ago in uh, and then going on to win the double in the NCAA. In terms of the times he ran. At the at the level of fitness that you're at now, you could definitely replicate that and and go on and do great great things next year in the NCAA. So watching that and and seeing the results from them races must give you a great you know load of confidence going into the collegiate scene. Yeah, I mean you probably won't see me in the 10k, um, possibly the probably possibly the 5k, um, but I'm definitely going to probably focus on the 1500. And like when I was watching that race, I was like. I could definitely see myself in here and being competitive. Um, and that, so that does give me a lot of confidence. And I know I still need to get um, a decent bit better if I want to be winning those races. Um, but I'm confident I can make those steps I need to. Um, I think it'll fit really well into my progression. And uh, I think I'm really ready for this next step. And will we continue to see the celebrations through your um, through your races in on the collegiate scene? Or like you said, will you become maybe a little bit more modest in your early years as, as a duck? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to say because um, you really don't know and like until like the opportunity presents itself. Um, uh, you know, uh, if like if I have a big rivalry with someone and we're both into it, I mean, I wouldn't mind like celebrating if I beat them, and I would expect them to do the same to me and in that same sort of fashion. But you know, if if I feel like if I don't feel like doing it, I just won't. But if I do, I probably will. Um, so it's just. I mean, it's it's hard to tell, but I'm definitely not opposed to it, and I think uh, it would it would definitely keep help getting people interested. Definitely, definitely, and you know, we had you, you mentioned there Oregon and um, Bowerman as well, and all two athletes or one athlete in in terms of Cooper Tier that we've seen go through the the Oregon system and now as part of Bowerman Track Club. I've been I've been seeing you know in some comment sections um trying about the your comparison to to Cooper Tier and um now the great things he's gone on to gone on to achieve after being a duck have Cooper Tier and Cole Hawker been people that you've looked up to and and been inspired by over the past couple of years and has that played into your your you know decision to go and um commit to Oregon? I mean, not a huge role part of it. Um, I look up to Cooper Tier and Cole Hawker a lot, and I. And Cole Hawker actually paced um, the Pro 15 I ran, which was extremely cool moment for me. Um, but you know, uh, Oregon has had so many good guys over the years. Um, I think it's that's part of like when you like look at their school records, you see like, oh, I have to be like pretty much one of the best in the world to get these, and that was the, the big appeal is. Um, it won't be crazy if I run crazy times, you know, like, and that's what I want. I want to be pushed extremely hard to uh, get to those levels where I could get a school record someday. And if I get that school record, I'll be one of the best in the world. And so I want the, I want the ceiling to be extremely high. I want the the pressure to be high. Whereas if I run something crazy in my eyes, other people may be like, oh yeah, but it's not that good in comparison to this athlete back then. And I think that's the appeal um, for me personally, just how uh, I like to think about athletics is I just want to be pushed really hard. That's a great mindset to have in, in comparison to being thrown off by the great times that, that you know, the Oregon skill records hold due to athletes like Cooper Tier and Cole Hawker instead of, I suppose, being scared by it, you're, you're using it as motivation to, to work even harder and to race even faster to know that if, like you said, if you have a great race, and run a great time compared to athletes like Cooper Tier and Cole Hawker, people might overlook it. So that in itself is going to push you on to become even faster. Yeah, I mean that's that's a major appeal for me. Definitely. So so what's what's the process now in in terms of will we see you in many more races over the summer? Obviously, you had your last high school race. So what is I suppose the rest of the calendar going to look like until you um get started off in Oregon? Yeah, uh, so I just have one more meet on the schedule. Um, I should qualify for USA's in the 1500, where I get a run against my idols that I've had for a while. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. It'll be kind of my first. It'll be my first like U.S. Championship um, slash U.S. Trials, you know. And the big idea behind trying to qualify for that and then doing it is so that. Um, I can get experience for next year for the actual U.S. trials. Um, so that's the only other race I have on the schedule. And then I'll, su- like, I'll shut down my season, uh, take a couple weeks off, and then start building for collegiate cross-country. Definitely. And I suppose 
cheering on your uh, your fellow US athletes in, as they head over to Budapest. Of course, yeah, no, I'm extremely excited. Definitely, and and hopefully, you know, you like you said, you'll be racing against these athletes in the in the US um, championships and in the uh, uh, part of the US trials, and um, you'll be racing against them, and then you know you'll you'll be seeing many of the older, maybe even more experienced athletes heading over to to Budapest. So that'll be a surreal experience going from racing them to then once again watching them on the uh, on the TV. But of course, the Olympics and the World Championships is definitely something that you have your sights set on as your career progresses. Yeah, I mean, it's all about, I think, if I can get some good experience and I can learn a lot, I think that'll be, like, priceless going into the years to come. Because just being able to do it at a young age, it's almost like I have, like, no pressure to perform. So I can just take it all in. I can really enjoy it, and it'll help me in the future quite a bit. And best best case scenario in the U.S. Championships, what what's that looking like for you? Because if you're on your day, you're you're up there with the best in the world, and you know there that must come with a great load of confidence. But as well, at the same time, you want to compete at the highest level. You don't want to just be there to make up the numbers. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty confident I can make it through um, to the final. Um, I think if I have a great day and. Um, I just run extremely smart. I think it's it's possible even if other guys are in good shape just because I can close pretty well. So I think I can make it to the final, and I think if I'm in the final, I'm a competitor. So, um, yeah, I mean, the main goal is make it to the final, um, and then once I get there, I'll just be um, don't look like you don't belong, you know, like get in there, race hard, and whatever happens, happens. Definitely, and of course, like we mentioned, cheery episode. You're you're still so young and so much of your career ahead of you. Even just being on, in that position now to be able to run at such a high standard, that experience you gain will stand with you as you progress through, you know, college and and you know, hopefully get on a US team for for the world or Olympic champ the, with the world championships or the Olympic games. Yeah, I mean that's that's been my goal for since junior year um i've just been looking at the worlds and the olympics and i think it's it's a lot closer than i ever thought it would be Uh, i think i'm progressing a lot faster than i thought i would and that's really exciting definitely well simeon i do really appreciate you coming on the show obviously like we said got in touch with you back um a couple of months ago when you first broke the four minute mile and since then you have set a new two mile high scale national record around 357 53 in the mile and um have created so much entertainment on the high school scene racing along connor leo and lex young um, and we're just looking forward to seeing how you progress um now as an oregon duck and hopefully you'll keep entertaining us on the track with with your celebrations and as well as with your rivalry so i do really appreciate you coming on the show yeah no thank you for having me it was a uh, it was a lot of fun definitely definitely and then um, you know as as you progress once again through through your um collegiate career and you know we inevitably see you on a on a world stage we'll definitely have you back on to tell us a little bit more about it yeah for sure i'll look forward to it definitely and for everyone watching and listening at home i do really appreciate it and we'll see you all next time bye bye